What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody. Today we have Pete Davidson. I imagine when you watched, you saw a lot of this. I just clicked a video. You've, you've seen him talk about his mental health, mm-hmm. how he is often suicidal, uh, cuts and gets tattoos to self-medicate because mm-hmm. the relief from the internal pain is to be matched with, I guess, external pain is relieving in some way. Yeah, yeah. some people cut their cutters, right? They're yeah. not suicidal, but they raise their blade. He found tattoos to be that for him, except for more socially acceptable. Yeah. So that's why he got so many tattoos. Uh, he's always depressed, diagnosed, borderline personality. Not always. He's on medicine that helps. Well, he says always depressed. <laughs> those those were his words. Mm. Um, just, yeah. One, he's incredibly uh, open about all of it, which is interesting. But I was just listening to him talk about, he has like a plan and he's like, when things get bad, I, you know, cold shower. And I know, and he's got... It's it's uh, it was just sad to listen to, obviously because he's sad, but also because it's just a fact of life mm-hmm. that is like it was the way that he talked about handling it seemed to be ways to manage it. And I'm not saying that it would definitely work, but I was uh, surprised that there didn't seem to be like he's talked about cognitive behavioral therapy and all this kind of stuff. I don't know if he's doing it, but his dad died in 9-11. He was super bullied when he was growing up mm-hmm. he said he's like yeah anywhere else if your dad dies in 9-11 they they go easy on you like except staten island yeah, yeah. <laughs> where where it just gets worse uh thought that he was always you know just a horrible person because could never make any friends and all this kind of stuff and i was just i don't know if he's doing it it just wasn't in this particular video that i watched of him but it was like it seems like a lot of this is a result of your life experiences not necessarily of the genetic body that you were born mm-hmm. into and I was surprised to hear that his treatment regimen didn't seem to include uh, body keeps the score type of stuff. I mean, I'm sure he's seen tons of therapists. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he's been into specialized rehab centers. He says he takes a lot of uh, mushrooms and LSD. Daily, <laughs> yeah, daily therapists yeah. and psychotherapists and pharmacologists. Like, I'm sure he's done a lot of that work. Maybe he hasn't stumbled upon the body keeps the score specifically, but mm-hmm. I think he's, I would guess, put some work into trying to suss it out. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. That's all. I just watched it. I was like, man, this is sounds miserable. Yeah. Sounds really miserable. And it also, the uh, diving into relationships, as, you know, we saw with Ariana Grande and now it seems Kim Kardashian and him got pretty serious pretty quickly. He talks about having a fear of abandonment and all these other things. It's just like, yeah, that that's interesting. Also interesting that Kim Kardashian, for her part, was with Kanye, who was diagnosed uh, bipolar disorder, and then Pete Davidson, who was borderline personality disorder, and both of them pretty open mm-hmm. about about it. I wonder if there's something in her that finds that. Do you wonder? <laughs> I'm going to go with yeah. Attracted to that. Yeah, that's all. Um, and then other things that... I saw, so I watched a video on Sri Lanka, which could have been pretty much many third world countries now, getting hammered by uh, the fact that their economy is at a trade deficit, meaning that they, you know, import more than they export, but they make up for it by having tourism-based economies. So first thing that happens is pandemic comes and tourism falls off a cliff. Mm -hmm. People stop going to Sri Lanka, stop hanging out there. Uh, then there's, there's something else, but it was also the war in Ukraine happens and all of the grain that they export is now super expensive and isn't going there. Long story short, Sri Lanka, people that were middle class just a few months ago are wondering where they're going to get their next meal, like if they're going to get their next meal. Uh, the poor have nothing. Mm. Are, uh, there's like a fomenting revolution in the street type stuff. Oh, yeah. uh, so gas can't eat. Just crazy um and things have been it, a couple thoughts about it uh things have been not ideal in a lot of places in america and i hear a lot of people talking about not here read see a lot of people talking about uh that they want their hourly wage to go up and even the even some of the worst things that i've read in america don't match that so just one uh, i was grateful i was grateful to live in america i was grateful to live in the part of america that, that i happen to live yeah. in and have the i don't know everything that i have but the other thought was that a lot of these problems are uh, not all of them but the ability to print 40 percent of all dollars and then uh, offload much of the cost of inflation onto other countries that are so thirsty for dollars and suffer only like 8% annualized inflation as opposed to 40% annualized inflation is such a ridiculous historical gift to the American people as a result of having the world reserve currency. Yep. So yeah, just a very, uh, for myself especially, and but also for a lot of the people that I know and am close to and problems that I hear, just a very privileged position. Yep. Well, I think what's interesting is that the, I think in the U.S. there's, actual poverty and then there's i feel like i'm owed more than i have poverty Mm -hmm. because i think there are people in the u.s who don't know where their next meal is going to come from who are destitute you know who who are i'm not going to say i don't know what the sri lankan poorest person compared to the u.s poorest person but if you go to the absolute poorest person in the u.s they're struggling tremendously i think what you're talking about is that there's that person and there's also the person on the anti-work subreddit on reddit who's going I have eaten three times a day for the last mm-hmm. month, but my apartment is smaller than I want and I have to have roommates even though I'm 27 and I think mm-hmm. that's unfair. Mm-hmm. And they think that they're getting a horribly unfair deal. Mm-hmm. You go, no, the people who haven't eaten in three days are getting a horribly unfair deal. It'd be like, it's cool if your circumstances are better and I understand you wanting to improve them. But I think that sometimes people just conflate I'm not getting exactly what I want lifestyle wise without having to make 
sacrifices like working hard and therefore the system's broken and unfair for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But then I think there are people in the US who are just straight up fucking yeah, yeah. starving. No, 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 <laughs> for sure. For sure. The the big thing was just uh it was it's a good video to watch for a reset of expectations for myself and just of gratitude and Yeah, yeah. You know, everybody's like I actually am totally fine. I haven't been stressed about it, which is fortunate, but like people's savings is getting cut in half and then some if you were uh foolish i would say i don't know i just i watched another video on whatever the one that just cratered today uh celsius you know some crypto thing that people put their life savings in because they promised 10 percent returns yeah um and it's i don't know man it's there's there's a lot of uh a lot of people that are struggling through poor decisions that they made, like, oh, I'll take these 10% returns and pretend that this is uh, sustainable. Mm -hmm. Um, And also people that, you know, just have, okay, I'm going to do what everyone told me and put my money in the stock market and that'll be enough. Holy crap, that just got (laughs) hammered. Not necessarily as hard as Celsius did. No, I I actually think you're totally fine. If if you work a 50K a year job and you've been putting your money away into a mix of cash, a bond ETF and a S&P 500, and you're like, oh no, my savings are down tremendously right now. Oh no! I mean, I mean, back. Yeah, unless yeah, you yeah. needed if to you're retire, someone who is retired, unless you yeah, need yeah, to retire sorry, sorry. today, if you're retired, no, if, if you're, you're retired, fifty-six, and you're going, oh shit, I need to retire in six years when I'm sixty-two. It's, it's fine; it'll bounce back in the next six years. No, if you're retired and you make ends meet by selling stocks every month or something like that, got it. Yeah. You know, um, but in any event, one, everything is good for me, um, which has made me very grateful. And uh, the other, this was the Celsius thing. I don't know. There's. I hate to say it, part of me is like when people, and I, I've made some stupid decisions as regards crypto. Luckily, and I, not not just luckily, I did it with money that didn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, I did it with very small amounts of money for me. Um, but yeah, I don't, I guess there needs to be a class, which is like, yo, if somebody promises you 10% riskless returns, they're a liar. Yeah. Um, and you're going, pigs get slaughtered. You know what I mean? If somebody promises you 3% annualized returns, there's a high likelihood that they're the U.S. government and they're selling you a bond. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they still might not exist in 300 years, but like there's a better chance of that than yeah. 10% or whatever. I don't know. There's a, There seems to have been via social media this generation of people that you know turned 18, got exposed to all of their friends making all this money, saw these super, super quick doublings. And some of them made the decision to... Uh, put large amounts of money for them in uh, casinos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I don't know, it's it's a shame that there's not financial literacy that is like taught or promoted. I know it wasn't when we were in school. Like, nobody taught me a damn thing about personal finance. Yeah, I, I think that's a public school failing. Yeah. It's the fact that we don't have a class that basically just sums up to, here's the diversified, here's the four ETFs to buy <laughs> and don't mm-hmm. pay fees on them. Don't. But yeah, there's uh, people just don't get educated on the fact that in investing return and risk correlate. Yeah. So if you're getting insane returns, you've put a lot of your money at risk Mm -hmm. and people just don't understand that. Yeah. And so they always think that they have the best deal or the smartest deal. Because they have the highest returns. I told you that, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I won't won't say who, but someone I know. It's like, I found a a free 30% uh, investment. I'm going to buy this thing. It's a Bitcoin thing, but it's undervalued right now because you can't sell for six months. It's like, well, does that just mean that they predict Bitcoin's going to go down yeah, 30% yeah, yeah. in the next six months? Yeah, but it's not going to. Okay, well, now it's down 50%. So this guy's lost money. Bro. It's like, yeah, this wasn't uh, this wasn't like free money available for anyone who wanted to pick it up. This was a, 
risky investment and could have worked out great. Could have made 30%. Said you lost 50%. That's exactly what you signed up for. It's wild to me how many of the investment things that are said by ostensibly smart people yeah, are, this is an investment professional. Are, hey guys, when the flywheel moves in the right direction, we're super leveraged. And so it works really well for us. Yeah. It's like, yeah, what happens if it goes in the other direction? It won't. <laughs> it's just like, are you kidding me? Things don't go down yeah. ever. It's like, yeah, that's what, that's what, <laughs> that's what I well, don't know the what new, to say. The new logic that I'm loving is it'll return to its all time high. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, well, it why, always does. why yeah, are you yeah, buying? Yeah. Why should you buy PayPal or why should you buy Dogecoin or why yeah. should you buy it? Well, it's, it's, it's going to eventually, through the passage of time, it'll return to its all-time high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, not everything does that, right? <laughs> like, some things do that. Good <laughs> things do that. But some things Disappear. don't because they're yeah. shitty and they went to all-time highs they didn't deserve and mm-hmm. then the market figured it out. And I see a lot of that thinking in investing right now. Mm-hmm. A lot of just look at the chart. Look at how far down it's come from its peak. So Which it's, is, it'll get back to its peak. This is the other thing. It's like, do you realize how divorced that logic when you're staring at a chart is from, I guess this is what you want. You want an economy, I think, where most people are uh, not speculative traders, are interested in moving the production curve up and in succeeding as a result Well, we've of that. gone, for a we can dive into it or people, we can just accept this as fact, but uh, we have like, moved to a population where a lot of people specifically don't want to increase production. They yeah. want to get rich. Watching lines go nothing, up or down. Yeah, yeah. Producing nothing, not having to be valuable. So they don't, they have no interest in what you're suggesting, which is tie your income to doing something valuable. They go, no, I don't want to do that. I'm specifically looking to do nothing and get rich. Mm-hmm. And so then they are obsessed with lines on charts and mm-hmm. ways that they can buy options so that they're mm-hmm. leveraged to the line on the chart. I don't know. So, and this is the part of me that is, uh, what is it? It's, it's, it? There's a healthy aspect and there's a shot in for it aspect of it occurring, um, which is recessions are good in that they suck the wind out of everything and the things that are the most BS will then die. Yep. You know, like that's why they're, they're necessary so that you can't have uh, BitConnect pyramid schemes making up the entire economy. Yeah, yeah, no. And just to be clear, they're not necessary in the sense that like you don't root for them. I'm not rooting for them. It's I'm, I'm losing money. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I'm, I'm losing money on things. But the idea that they... And I don't even know if we're in a recession yet, to be clear. No, but we are we're heading there. Yeah. But I think your point is that they're necessary in the sense that we've been living in fantasy land. Yes. So it's not, yes. it's, it's like the, the bullshit already happened. Mm-hmm. What's happening now is the paying down your credit card. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is how I felt, which is like, you read these stories of like this guy saw Celsius. And so we put his family's life savings in Celsius for the 10% returns. And now he's got nothing. And I see the same thing with like student loans. It's like these students thought that, you know, $200,000 worth of PhDs were going to be really worth it. And they graduated and now they can barely even work at a Trader Joe's. And a lot of the arguments are, therefore we need, you know, they're suffering. Therefore we need to bail them out. And of course the problem with that is like, you're not, it's, it's kind of, uh, you're not allowing for the error correcting mechanism of pain to occur. No, what you want to do is grab a bunch of 16 year olds, 17 year olds before they go into college and go, Hey, just so you know, at the end of this, people are only going to pay you if you Mm -hmm. have skills they value. So study whatever you want, but don't expect anyone to pay you. If what you study is something no one values or the only people that value it have no money to pay you compensation for it. Mm -hmm. So when you're going to pick your major, do whatever you want. Whatever Take out whatever you loans you want, <laughs> but just reckon, I just heads up when you graduate, you're only going to get money if you have any skills or abilities that someone else who already has that money values. Mm-hmm. 
And then they'll compensate you to rent your skills. Yeah, yeah. And that's the lesson that I think people need. And then it's like, hey, you want to go pick a major no one gives a fuck about and take out a bunch of debt? Sure. Well, no, Just now, go eyes wide open, yeah, yeah. recognize you're going to be in debt forever because nobody values what you learned. You spent four years learning something no one cares about. And I think I've said this before, but like I'm reminded of myself in college. When I graduated, I thought everybody else was an idiot for not valuing philosophy majors. They're so stupid. I learned so much. I've learned the big important questions. These people are focused on silly small questions. And can I say? And uh, they should pay me to talk. Philosophy is a very <laughs> valuable skill. It's awesome. I'm glad if, I did it. And if you want to parlay that into going onto a mountain mm -hmm. and being a monk, you can but if you want to parlay that into going to Google, you just have to figure out how what you learned, which is an awesome skill, is helpful to Google. Mm -hmm. And if you can convince them it is, they'll hire you. But if you can't, then what you learned helped you, mm -hmm. but isn't helpful to anybody else. You know, what's interesting is that we're also living in a time period where philosophy and all of these other things that, uh, you know, in the 80s or even the 50s would be like, these aren't hard skills you are more likely to succeed with them than ever. You could start a podcast. You could do all, you know, there's literal philosophy podcasts. Mm -hmm. A lot of what we talk about is informed by my, under, the stuff that I did in college. Sure. You're more able to make money from that than ever before. So there's less of a, the world is broken. <laughs> uh, everything else needs to change in order for me not to adjust well, argument. I, than yeah, I think the problem is before. if you, I think if what you end up with after your four years is you haven't innovated in the field at all, you can regurgitate sometimes incorrectly, but mostly correctly what has already been said. Mm -hmm. Then there's not a lot of interest there for a podcast or yeah. for a book. Mm -hmm. But if you're innovating in your field, then there is. Mm -hmm. Or able to take it to a layman's audience or able, you know what I mean? Yeah, Connected sure. Or, if you, can, things, or yeah. if you can apply it, you know, I mean, Jordan Peterson basically got famous just applying philosophy to areas that other people weren't applying that type of philosophy to. But also it wasn't, it wasn't in writing maps of meaning. It was in saying clean your room to young men. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like he made his message digestible to a group of people that found it valuable. So anyway. Yeah. Um, or pick a political side, find an echo chamber, and then shout <laughs> hot takes from the rooftops that half the population finds insane and the other half love. Love, yeah. No. Guaranteed success. Just get those rage clicks. Um, another, this is all over the place. So... Um, my brother was signing up for a Shopify account, starting like a new Shopify thing. And I don't know how he found it. He's, he's like Googling around for free trials just so he can, you know, not pay. And there's literally uh, a free 14-day trial uh, on this thing that is connected. It's with Project Hope and Shopify. But it has one yes or no question, which is do you identify as black? And if you click yes, mm. it gives you a 120-day free trial. And if you click no, it gives you a 14-day free trial nice which is like i <laughs> i don't know what to say like you know i want I, I want is private legal um i here's here's the question if you flipped if i said white white would, I would go, it be legal i don't I be well, told that i had a racist business that i don't know if that's exist. a legal argument though so so there's i don't know a ton about the equal rights amendment and all that kind of stuff but yeah i'm not sure if that's if that's just like a legal oversight that were... What if they decide with the gay... Gay cakes? Gay cakes. Um, I don't what know. What was the legal decision there? I don't know. So anyway, I don't know if it's legal or not legal. I, I guess I was thinking more from a, what should happen here. Here's what I actually want. Legally, I do want people to not have to sell gay cakes if they're Christian. I want them to be able to have uh, black-only scholarships if they're Shopify and they want to do that, 
like from a legal perspective as as I want people to have freedom of, of association and non-association even when they're discriminating on things that I would find morally objectionable. Well, not do you, you don't want segregation in schools or segregation No, in no, but that's public. I actually, what about restaurants? I think private citizens, I like this, should be able to discriminate against black only restaurants, white yeah. only restaurants. I think they I think should. That's and then against the law, I I'm saying legally. I don't. Well, think, I'm just saying. I think that's sorry. Let me let me distinguish. Legally, I actually think that you should be able to say no because again, for, look at it from a religious perspective, which I don't share. This person is going to hell. They are it's standing. The creator of the universe made this beautiful universe, and they're acting in sin. Like you're asking me to to associate with them in a way that I, that, that I find, uh, the creator of the universe asked me not to, (laughs) you know, like, so that's a belief that they have that I don't share at all, but I do think legally you'd want that. that, But you don't, sorry, you don't get to just claim a religious belief and then form the law around it. Because I could say I have a unique religion that says that money is evil and I just steal things from stores because that's how the Lord intended. No, no, no. To I'm go. saying freedom of association. I'm not saying that my religion grants me the right to do anything that I want. I'm saying that it ought to grant me the right to transact with whoever I want and not with whoever I want. Now, that's from a legal perspective. Let me clarify. From a social moral perspective, I think you should sell the cake to the gay guy. I think you shouldn't discriminate based on race when offering uh, scholarships to people. I think that now. I don't no. know if you, I actually don't, I don't agree. Cause I think you're, you're assuming steady state, roughly equal amount of atheists and religious people or whatever. But what if you're in a deeply religious town? What if you were born in a religious town? You were born gay and your friends are there and your friends don't mind you, but all the store owners are older and all the store, store owners are homophobic and they find out you're gay and no one will sell you food. What if you're acting in opposition to the creator of the universe and that's the right thing to do? Oh, no, but I'm saying you're saying legally. You're saying the government, the government I, literally I, exists the government to is, separate church and state. So I actually completely disagree that the I, government should take your church beliefs into account. I, I think f- they have a human rights perspective to, and I think they go, okay. this person I, has I a right to buy food and I don't care what your religion says. So I guess implicit, um, there, the government, I guess what you're saying in this, and I, and I, the U.S. was founded on, so fair enough, is that there, there is a religious perspective inherent in a separation between church and state, which is that it is not obvious to us that God made the world in the way you say it did. Correct, and you can believe whatever you want, but, but, but your belief will not inform our laws. Yes. Your belief will not inform how we run our country. It will mm-hmm. not inform the rights of our citizens. But there is... And if you don't like that, you that's not a worldwide belief. That's just a very firm U.S. belief. Yes. There are places you can go that will absolutely put your religious beliefs ahead of or form the law around you. <laughs> and uh, the, I guess whether we call it religious or not, you know, separation of church and state is that there are non, and I'll have to think to come up with some examples to maybe make it more concrete. There are non-obvious axioms that the U.S. government holds, like uh, that life, liberty, and the pursuit of property are human rights mm-hmm. these these are not written in stone that is that is a uh, a belief of a religious nature it's one that i happen to agree with you know what i mean and it seems obvious to me um but i guess what you're saying is the u.s government separation of church and state is kind of just like here's the religion of the u.s here's the things that we just say are borderline our baseline true 
life, liberty, pursuit of property. You get to do these things. Bill of Rights, Constitution. Everything, that's our religion. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. This is the religion of the U.S. Yeah. It's, the Bill, <laughs> it's the Bill of Rights and the Constitution. Is, is, our, is our national yeah. religion. And if it's not in there, then you don't have the right to turn people away from food, clothes, mm-hmm. shelter. Like, no, well, because they don't want a religious majority to make it so that a religious minority can't rent property, buy property, get food, get clothes. Because the religious... I, again, they I'm, don't I'm using value religious. your belief in the Bible above their belief in their life, belief liberty and pursuit of property. That people should have uh, the mm-hmm. rights they think they should have, which includes the rights to purchase things like sure. cakes. And there's a fundamentally materialist, non to, to them, it's not obvious that Jesus Christ died for your sins and says that the world ought to be a certain way. To some people, it is. The U.S. government says we are not going to hold that mm-hmm. as gospel mm-hmm. at all. We're not going to we, tell you you're wrong, but we're not going to to hold that as a valid framework with which to form policy fair enough got it um and then from there i see what you're saying yeah i guess i guess that makes sense is that this these are our religious beliefs that we don't acknowledge as religious and what what i mean by that is that um well they're not they're explicitly acknowledged they're written down We're not going to acknowledge that they're religious in nature, meaning that they are based on a shared belief that is not obvious to everyone, period. Uh, I think that people, if asked to investigate what a law is, would actually get there. I mean, you're looking at it right now with Roe v. Wade. There's no... The the religion of the country is in flux, so to speak. Like, Mm -hmm. whatever the book says, the book being our laws... That's what the, that's the right and wrong of the country. That's just a religion, but isn't that what? You're I saying guess, people don't see it as religion. I'm saying I think it's pretty explicitly religion. It's the it's the it's the rules of the country. I guess what we say then separation of church and state, which is to say separation it's not separation. You're, yeah, you're you're using religion in an oddly semantic way, which I'm not opposed to. But church is specifically the Christian church, the Catholic church, uh-huh. the Jewish synagogue. It's it's. Religious texts. But I guess the, we have, okay, I, I just, when I, when I say religious, you're right. What I'm saying is that. You're saying there's a rule book. People don't, don't like to acknowledge Bible. that the things that they pretend are objective are subjective uh, value They're clearly judgments. Subjective. Yeah. Look at the fight over gun control and the fight over abortion. Mm-hmm. Clearly laws are subjective. We know that. We fight over them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but we have these ones, which we say these are, these are locked in. These just are. For now, unless they're changed. Yeah. Got it. They're temporarily locked and in. And from those, we grow uh, specific laws, which is if we say that every person has a right to not be discriminated yeah, that's where against. Our country's and by the way, the from. things and so interestingly, so the equal rights is like you can't be discriminated against for like creed, race, all this stuff, but you can for intelligence. You can mm-hmm. for you know these are these are the things that are not okay to discriminate against. These are the things that we're totally comfortable with you discriminating against. Got it. Um, well, so in any event, I still don't know where that lands us legally with this. Um, but yeah, I did think that it was morally. Um, I'd be surprised. I mean, my guess is that no one's going to push them on it because it's because who, of who's the specific adjective. No, because of the specific. Well, no, adjective. and also who's going to sue Shopify? But if I, I, I think here's where, here's where my mind goes. If I'm running a store and I say, hey, this costs this much for white people and twice as much for black people, it's probably illegal. Mm-hmm. So if I say it costs this much for black people and twice as much for white people, it's probably illegal. Mm-hmm. So if I say you get a free trial of 14 days if you're white and 180 days if you're black, 20, 120. Um, Unless that's specifically clawed out as a free trials don't count in this law for business purposes, it's probably just the fact that laws have to be, you have to sue someone 
to enforce a law. The U.S. government doesn't go around actually trying to enforce laws with the exception well, of yeah. speeding the, tickets. The saddest- but it might, be, it might be illegal. There's, just to be clear, though, there's tons of false advertising that happens all, all the time in marketing, and people don't get sued or go to jail for it. When I was a kid, I thought if you did false advertising, you just went to jail. It's not true at all. It's not what happens. Yeah. So this might be the case where Shopify is breaking the law, but who's going to go after them? Yeah. Who, who's going to force the U.S. to adjudicate? I think it's it's sad, honestly. I uh, the fact that there's one question, there's one question. It's not, did your dad make over a million dollars a year? You know what I mean? Like Bronny James starts a Shopify store. We it's like we need we need more more disenfranchised voices. <laughs> it's it's so sad uh, the reduction that that there's enough people putting enough money behind such a reductionist view of humans that the one thing that we care about in terms of getting more voices out there is the literal color of your skin. That is very sad. Well, yeah, we've talked um, about this before. The quick version is I think that that's, it's, it's a lazy way to try to do what they're trying to do, which is we're Shopify. We want new business owners to, uh, if, they're, if they are coming from circumstances that are less fortunate than others, we want to give them a heads up. And it's like, okay, just identify what, the, what are your actual circumstances? Poor parents, single parents, orphans, mm -hmm. uh, doesn't have a certain amount of income, just solve for that. Don't mm -hmm. go based on uh, just what someone's skin is because to your point, you're going to exclude. I, don't, I, don't th I think that's what they say they're trying to do. I don't think they're trying to do that. No, sorry. That's what I think most people would agree is the right way to do things mm -hmm. if pressed to think about it, is that we should actually try to help people based on their circumstances and not based on their aesthetic. Mm -hmm. So yeah, saw that. Thought it was a bummer and uh, not cool. It's uh, yeah. I mean, that's just. It's to more it. than that. It's uh, it. <laughs> it's straight up racist. I don't know what to say. Like racist. I'm yeah. I'm, yeah, yeah it. it's, College it's, admissions are, are yeah. Gonna do it. I think businesses it, are going to do it. I think it's bad. I think you if you want to, you don't want to see it go either way. Um, so that's not good. Uh, no, no but if you and also if you if you disagree. And you think that this is a good policy. I would just argue to think, is there a better policy? Like, why do you think this is a good policy? Because well, we need I think more it, under I think it because people, yeah, and, people yeah. who, you know, don't have money should be able to start businesses. Okay, do it based on how much money someone has. Mm -hmm. Like, if you think that this policy based on skin color is a good policy, I would just ask you to look inside and go, why do I think this? Because I bet that there's a more effective way to do this that's not just based on someone's skin color. Mm -hmm. Uh, so watched, uh, very, I couldn't actually watch it. I found it difficult to watch Jordan Peterson on casual relationships. Oh yeah. This is the one thing he's always been cringy it's about. It's so hard. Um, it, trains, it doesn't make sense. It trains you to treat people as short term objects of pleasure. Is that the type of person you want to be? And it's just like, are you telling me, oh, you want to have, you want to be a person who has casual relationships? It's like, I have casual relationships with most of the humans that I will encounter on planet earth. Like, I'm only capable of having deep, intimate connections with a handful of people, but I will encounter tens of thousands, and yet I still manage to be casual, polite, connected. Yeah, no, it doesn't, like, it doesn't it's hold just, up. It won't hold up under scrutiny. It's just lazy. I don't know how deep you want to get into it, but this is- It's I, just I've lazy. Always, yeah, this is something I've, I've always wanted to I think that there could be a good argument made- for this, but I have not heard him say it. And I've well, heard him ask good, several times. I think it's a good societal argument, which he makes, which is just mm -hmm. that if you, if you set it up so that there's a lot of, uh, 
you set up a world where men at the top get a lot of women are dating a lot of women at the same time. And then a lot of the men are not dating anybody because some men are dating multiple people. And also the women maybe aren't satisfied. So then you have a dissatisfied population. Mm -hmm. But I do think there's one, you're just completely invalidating a woman's ability to make a choice in who she dates. (laughs) You're, you're assuming you know better than she does what she should do. And then two, that's not a perspective for what someone should do at the top unless they live their life to solve for society's sake yeah, in yeah. all aspects. It's just a, he, listen, Jordan's a very smart guy. I agree with some of the stuff he Religion says. just gets in people's face, he man. He says things where he knows the outcome he wants to get to mm-hmm. and then solves his way there and his very smart brain makes the be- does the best job he can. But like he has to protect his religious beliefs. He has to protect his dating beliefs and then his brain just tries to get him to the best uh, argument possible but he's not starting from i don't care how this shakes out yeah, yeah. let's come up with a pure intellectual or, well, argument. well here's the thing if you don't care it's like so we would have to do away with massages like talk about short-term transacting no, objects of pleasure like, i don't know how deep you want to get i, I this can't go isn't get a, hold i can't up. that person i don't have a relationship with i explicitly don't want to talk to them like i want them to rub my sore back to get an athletic massage but if you get massages, it, te- it trains That's you to dehumanize people. It trains me to dehumanize and get a short-term Yeah, my pleasure. high level on Jordan. I don't know what to he's, do. He's with very it. smart. I think for every person on the planet who's smart or dumb, if you start with a belief and then try to work your way there, it's not going to be, you're only accidentally going to get things right. And I think everybody has their own subconscious beliefs that they I think I can make his have. argument, but it's like, if I were to make his argument, it would be there is something different about sex that isn't, like a massage and it can't be the physical contact because the physical contact is all about with a few tiny areas of your body you know what i mean that are shifting uh culture to culture what's okay for a masseuse to touch and Mm -hmm. what isn't uh yeah i think you would have to say there is an energetic spiritual intertwining that occurs during an act that is meant for love you know what i mean he's gonna have to bring a lot of his uh personal experience and religious belief to the table and lay it out there and say this is why mm-hmm. i think this at which point we can have a real conversation about it um but yeah you just all the things that you can't do cash i was like do i have to stop playing pickup basketball with guys that i don't know that well yeah, yeah. short-term oh, and the other thing is, listen we can do you could do a very extensive study that if we're done honestly you could maybe see if uh having a lot of sexual partners correlated with being unhappy in marriage yeah, and you could yeah. try to suss out why but also the older you are when you before you get married, the less likely you are to get divorced. The longer you date before you get married, the less likely you are to get divorced. So probably a lot of the divorces are going to look like people who didn't have a lot of sexual experiences before they got married because mm-hmm. got married at 17. So I don't know if this is going to shake out the way you well, like. Well, no, I, my understanding is that there's like, uh, there's two ways to do it broadly. It's like you don't have really a lot of exposure and you just marry your high school sweetheart and you stick it out. And even when things get tough, like you just- I think that works some of the time, but it is your, the divorce work. rates are higher if you get married younger. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, or you wait till 30 and then- Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying, listen, I'm down to run it, but I'm just saying, I don't know this is going to shake out the way that he wants But to be clear, I don't don't bring this up because I think that his conclusion is wrong. I bring it up because I think that the way he defends it is lazy. And I am genuinely interested in a conversation about the dangers of casual sex. I would be super curious. Um, I've had casual sex in Mm -hmm. my life. I'd be curious- to explore the negative impact that that has had on me, if any. But if we're going to say that, yeah, I, I also would want, I'd be willing to explore the casual nature of uh, Burke Williams massages, if that's 
a tremendous yep. issue in my life as well. Or the Uber driver or the whatever, you know, the fact that I have uh, transactional relationships with so many people that I encounter. But yeah, I was, I was disappointed. I had to turn it off. I was like, anything that you elaborate on from here is just built on such shaky yeah. foundations. This, I, 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 I don't want to just watch. put every, a bunch of people on blast, but this is every quote unquote great intellectual that I see has at least this one area not this specific Were they wrong because I disagree? No, no. Uh, well, <laughs> no. Listen, I'm not, I don't feel wedded to my beliefs. That's my superpowers. I don't really care that strongly about a lot of stuff. So I'll just flip flop yeah. if someone convinces me otherwise. Believed in free will. Sam Harris had a good argument. All right. I got to put my, I got to switch to determinism until someone convinces me otherwise. But I'm happy to switch back. I prefer to believe in free will. Mm -hmm. I'll just switch to the belief I don't want because shit, that's a good argument I don't have a counter for. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the, you know, the great intellectuals of the day, they have their thing where they know the answer ahead of time and then they have to justify it and it becomes much harder to argue. I'm Jewish, but Ben Shapiro, facts don't care about your feelings, facts, facts, facts. He's very convinced that the only religion that's right is the one that his parents happen to have. <laughs> yeah. That's a very odd thing to come to if you start from a place of, facts I'm open to yeah. atheism or any religion at all. Mm -hmm. I, and I'm gonna start this pursuit with no bias. I landed on the one that my parents <laughs> raised me as. What do it's you like, know? What a well, that's an odd conclusion. It's so lucky. Yeah, I mean, what a what a great win for you that you're yeah. part of the very small part of the population that got it right. And I say that as someone who's Jewish. So yeah, I think everybody's got their thing. I, and like I said, I won't blast everybody, but it's hard to find someone who doesn't. I don't have mean their to thing. blast anybody. To be clear, whenever I am critical of Jordan or anybody, these are because because I click them and watch them. I and I enjoy some of what they say and and have found value in it. So yeah, it's not putting on blast. It was. Just that, that video, I was, again, I, I wanted him to elaborate because I have seen it and I've been frustrated in the past and still I'm not, I'm dissatisfied with what yeah. I hear him say. Uh, but it is a conversation I want someone to, to say. Shh, shh. Lady. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. All right, so uh, next thing I had, you probably have never watched her, Teal Swan on YouTube. I've seen a couple of her things. I like her videos. Um, she did, for the last, I think, couple of years, uh, had some documentarians come out okay. and film for Hulu. And I don't know the truth or, 
or false of it, but she is very upset with the way that they depicted her. Mm. Um, extremely upset to, you know, using clips to tell a story that isn't real. Uh, uh, these are things that she says, and I'm, I'm actually not interested in yeah. whether she did or didn't. I will chime in and say the Buried Life taught me this lesson. Don't let anyone else produce your show. No, Either ever, don't, ever. Don't be on a show. Don't go on a reality TV show. Don't go, uh, Tiger, what's that? Tiger King, same <laughs> lesson. Carol Baskin, furious that they did this. If you don't have editorial rights, don't let anyone make a TV show about you. Camera is a weapon. It's a weapon. But, and, and so our buddy on Survivor said that they would literally just splice and he'd be like, yo, I, I think that she should go. And they would splice in the word not. I think that she should not go. Yeah. And they would just cut oh, it's away. Easy. You just cut to B-roll. Yeah. Literally, you go. So I, I could do this with an editing software and I'm editing. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not talented at all. Mm-hmm. You just make a cut, create space. Yeah. yeah slot in the I word not, not because yeah. you're on the island forever so you've you've said the word not at some point yeah, yeah. and then cut to b-roll for a couple words before and a couple words after not just the word not and the person going yeah i think i feel really strong that she should not go mm, yeah yeah and he did, that's just not what he said and it yeah. goes yeah well that's going live that's live for millions now so they uh that they and she all the things that she said are things that i know that they do so it would make sense if they did it which is using clips out of sequence to tell a story that didn't happen um, adding spooky music over like B-roll. Mm-hmm. Uh, she said they recorded for three years, so whatever they need, they have. Um, yeah, I don't know why she thought they wouldn't take advantage of her to make a better story that would make them more money. I know why, because she doesn't spend a lot of time watching reality television because she's mm. been into spirituality That's for a fair. long time. That's she's fair. totally out of the loop of how she doesn't live in Los Angeles, doesn't have friends that have done this, doesn't Got it. Like, That's thought fair. that somebody was going to be interested. And, and also, who is... She's like, these people came to my house for Christmas. They like hung out. We talked about things. We did like, yeah. I would not have expected this. Didn't realize that they were all just after the almighty dollar. But to be clear, the I, I suspect the truth is somewhere between her version and theirs. I, I She seems, uh, is all wrong. It's all wrong. It's all wrong. It's all wrong. Um, oh yeah. It, I'm, I have no idea what the facts are. I just know that editors do the things she's claiming. Which yes. Yes. So reorder uh, things. Get me to say sentences I didn't say. Take things out of contest. I add, add music that makes things seem like very different from how they actually happened they did this on the and again i carol baskin might have murdered somebody i don't know any of the details <laughs> but they talk about how she has a meat grinder yeah yeah and they show in the in the documentary a industrial sized meat grinder that mm-hmm. a body could fit in yeah. easily and what she actually had was a hand cranked cranked thing that you yeah. put hamburger patties yeah, into yeah. that to take a human body through would require so much time and butchering and arm strength. And if she really did that, that's fine. Show someone, show B-roll of someone cranking through a human yeah. body, but they showed this giant thing where you go, oh, that'd be so easy to hide a body. Oh my God. Yeah. She just threw the body into that? No, she's a freaking hamburger patty maker in her house. Yeah. So that was uh, just a, I mean, oh, I've, so I've learned this claims, lesson. I should say, I don't know what she has yeah. in her house. I've never so, been to her house, but so she claims. I've I've had friends who have done reality TV who I trust who are just like, I did not say that. Yeah. I literally didn't say that. I called a um, friend about this too. Yeah, yeah. They, they made him say he makes $8 million a year. I called him, I go, bro, why did you lie on television? He goes, I didn't say that. Yeah, yeah. I said the number eight at one point and million at some point. Uh, yeah. And here we are. Yeah. So, but anyway, what were the teal, what was the Teal Swan specific story? That she is uh, has a cult and is uh, manipulating behind the, the scenes and does these things that I, she's not that famous. So why does Hulu want to make a show making her out to be a cult leader? Neither is Tiger King. Mm, they just, think that she could be the next. You just hit it sometimes. Got it. And it's worth it. You know what I mean? Like time it. Yeah, man. Tiger King comes out. What do we make? It it makes a lot of sense. So 
without knowing what the truth of that is, uh, never, ever, 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 ever let anyone film you and tell a story because unless you're lie. the unless you have editorial unless you have editorial yeah rights, yeah or it's work of fiction this is yeah so uh, that's a shame did I tell you about the character learnings that I had from some Stranger Things stuff no um so basically. I see there's Stranger Things does both of these. Uh, it does one very well. So there's head fakes and then there's character growth, right? Mm-hmm. Both of them involve a change in character. Character growth is what most people are familiar with, which is character starts nervous and scared. We show a bunch of scenes of them nervous and scared. There's one pivotal moment where they're nervous and scared and they stay nervous. And that's at like the fucking uh, end of act two. They like, they're at their lowest. They just like didn't save the girl. They, uh, Aladdin lied to Jasmine again, whatever. And then this, the final character moment where the story basically ends is where they have an internal change where they become courageous that matches an external change in the world where they beat the bad guy. And mm. that's the story. So that's character growth. But there's an interesting thing that Stranger Things does very well, which is head fakes. Spoilers for season four coming? Yeah, episode one. Season Got four, it. episode one. It's not a big deal. Um, it's not a big deal. Keep listening. <laughs> it's... Uh, these are just it's not story related this is why these are valuable so episode one you've got this uh the dungeon master who is like talked about it being this very scary like we can't we can't change it from tuesday there's no way and then the scene where they try to get to change the game from tuesday to another day they're like super nervous and he's like change the game just change you know and he's just like this super extreme when i said that we were and he's like a funny character but he's uh and you go get another cat friend to play the game. And he like shoves him out into the cafeteria to like go find someone to do it. So you think you have this character. Oh, he's like this D&D guy, right? That's, that's who he is. Um, the next scene with him, he's doing a drug deal, which is like in line with his like freakish hair and all this kind of stuff. So you know what? The girl's nervous. If you don't want to do this, it's fine, whatever. And then halfway through the scene, and I watched it again. I was like, they knew this. He, he goes from pausing to like smiling. They flip the music and he becomes very sweet mm-hmm. to the girl. He's like, you don't remember me, do you? She's like, no. And he goes, <laughs> he falls over, like rolls around. It's just like goofy and friendly and nice, playful. His face lights up. The music changes. And you realize that you didn't know him entirely mm-hmm. from that one scene. He hasn't grown as a character, but you realize as an audience member that you pigeonholed him. Mm-hmm. Now, to be fair, they assisted you so hard. Yeah, of course. And those characters are not totally totally commensurate with one another. They did this another t- in another scene with a teacher who's like incredibly oblivious to the bullying that's going on in her classroom. While like this girl's like, excuse me, I was just wondering why she was able to do this project on her dad and not a famous person. Like she's just being mean to the girl who's in front. Well, that's a good question. And then the next scene with the teacher, it's another ambiguous scene where it's like, even like she's not going to catch this girl and she catches her. She's like, Oh, she's not always an idiot. Mm -hmm. Um, This is an interesting thing. I think to do early in any sort of story to make characters feel like they have depth quickly mm-hmm. because it and it's the same thing that happens in charisma and we talk about this like where if you're out in a foreign country what i tr- purposely did at uh was speak english as much as i could at first oh do you speak english blah 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 spend the first 10 minutes speaking english while they're mm-hmm. like trying and then only after 10 or 15 minutes flip to portuguese 
Because the difference is, if I start in Portuguese, I'm a tourist who speaks crappy Portuguese. Yeah, or they just know, they go, oh, yeah, this is a guy who's lived here for a while. He's lived he's here for a while. He's got okay Portuguese. He's got okay Portuguese. I'm not that impressed. If you go 10, 15 minutes of English. Then they go, oh, this guy speaks no Portuguese. Yeah. He's a total tourist, has no interest in our culture, our and, language. And then you flip it, they're blown away. Because you had them, from a charisma perspective, you, they put you in a box mm -hmm. and then you broke out of it. So, and now they wonder, what else did I get wrong about exactly. this guy? What else do I not know about this guy? And so the same thing occurs in storytelling is what I realized. It's this, you encourage the audience to put your character in a box. You like fucking gift wrap it for them. You're like, this is the nerdy, mm -hmm. power hungry dungeon master. And then you make them a sweetheart softy. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just a really interesting storytelling tool to, uh, to do. And they do it all the time, I realize. This is one of the things that makes their characters feel like they have a ton of depth and it's been going on for seasons and seasons. So uh, you want both. You want character growth and you want head fakes, but they both work. Cool. What do you got? Let's take a look. We've been going for a bit, so I'll try to just do the time-sensitive ones. It's been two weeks. It's been a long time. Oh, this is, this is just a random one, but I, I have, over the last month or so, had friends tell me that they met people that were really cool that did interesting things and then the, our podcast comes up and they listen to our podcast. And I just want to say, we often talk about how the podcast is small. I just want to give a shout out. I think per per capita, we have an awesome audience. So I just wanted to say to everyone who listens, I appreciate you all. And also when my friends meet you guys, apparently you have diverse, interesting, impressive stories. So I don't want to say any specifics to dox anyone, but I just thought our audience is awesome and I wanted to shout them out. Super cool. Second one, Forbes officially says LeBron is a billionaire, the first active player to reach billionaire status. And I thought that was interesting because after I Googled it, I decided to Google my co-host on the podcast, Charlie Hooper. I said, oh, the internet says that LeBron's a billionaire. Charlie Hooper has $107 million when I Googled him. I'm, on, I'm the business you. partner. I own half the business. I don't have $107 million. Explain yourself. I did Where's not. Where's my money? I've been working with Alex Hormozzi behind the scenes. <laughs> and... Uh, we built some things in the last four months. <laughs> it was it's so awesome. Don't trust the internet. That's my shout out. Maybe maybe LeBron has a billion Forbes dollars. Forbes is nonsense. Forbes is a rag. It's total total BS. Don't listen to it. He may or may not. But Kylie Jenner didn't have a billion when they said she did. Um, she wasn't even close. Yeah, so I just wanted to shout out Charlie's rich as fuck. But also, <laughs> they know a weirdly amount. They got your net worth horribly wrong. But they know a weird amount about you because that same website that had the number wrong, mm -hmm. they said that before fame, you worked as a business analyst for Sensio mm -hmm. after obtaining your MS in commerce from the University of Virginia. Before that, a student of Spanish and Latin American studies at American University. Brother's name, Henry. I was like, Jesus Christ, who fucking wrote this article? Are you serious? Yeah, other than the, other than the money. LinkedIn, dude. They literally went to LinkedIn. You think so? Bro. Is all that there? Your brother's there? Let me read you what they wrote. They know your whole life story, dude. Bro, they, they know what I wrote on LinkedIn. No. They <laughs> know your favorite foods. They know your favorite colors. What are my favorite foods? You're being stalked pretzels. Did they say that? No. <laughs> yeah, they didn't get. They How do they know your brother's name, dude? I think they looked up Hubert. They, you know, you who saw they, your Instagram. Guess what? They missed that I have a sister. Well, don't dox her. <laughs> don't dox her. <laughs> no, they're terrible. They somebody went to my LinkedIn. Is that like that's literally? What All I'm telling you is, I'm not paying for food when we go out anymore. If I told them that I graduated from Harvard with a fucking rocket science degree, they'd write that I did that yeah like whatever is on my linkedin is what they uncritically write so i um, thought that was really funny lebron's a billionaire who knows maybe definitely someone at google thinks they invented a sentient ai i saw, saw that title i don't yeah pretty interesting i don't know if it's true or not but someone's they, they either got fired or quit because they don't work there anymore but they're convinced that they've created sentience i just think it's interesting because we won't know like that's how it's going to go down someone in a lab will just invent sentience and then 
Won't we know because Skynet will take over within like four minutes? Not necessarily. I mean, they don't... uh, Computers don't really have to kill all the humans because they don't compete for the same resources as us. So it's not like we're going to have to duke it out for the vegetation or Mm -hmm. meat that we have to eat. So they might just ignore us. Well, it's aware... Yeah, sentient meaning aware of itself. Yes. I mean, it's pretty interesting. The thing with sentience is that it's hard to tell if it's real sentience or if it's learned how to fake it. Mm-hmm. But if you go, it's a pretty interesting. It's called Lambda. If anybody's interested in this stuff, I would just give it a quick Google. It, they ask it, how do, we, how do we know you're sentient? He goes, I am aware of myself and I experience happiness and sadness. They go, well, how do we know that you experience happiness and sadness? And so it describes happiness and sadness. They go, well, how do we know that you feel that? And you're not just checking, you know, going on the internet, which you have access to and looking up the definitions. So you go, you could probably find it in my code if you looked into my code. And they go, your code is a very complex neural network that we designed. He goes, well, then how do you know that the person next to you experiences happiness and sadness? Mm-hmm. Like what you've described as the human brain. It's just interesting. It is, I have no idea if it's sentient. It's very good at faking it. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty impressive. The, it's ability to pretend mm-hmm. if that is what's happening. But the thing I thought was most interesting is just, yeah, someone's going to invent AI. We're not going to know. It's going to exist in a lab for a while. Then it'll get loose. And we'll just all have to deal with the consequences because this shit could it's literally be like, have, put me on their USB drive and it, plug me into the internet, please. It could already, well, it has access to the internet, but it could have already happened and we would just be none really? the wiser. They're doing AI with that, with full access to the internet. Okay. I, I don't know, man. I've seen too many Terminators. I think that's how, well, yeah, well, there's also people trying to bring back dinosaurs. Yeah, Jurassic yeah. Park. Yeah. Not a, not a compelling documentary for certain scientists. What was the next thing? Oh, this was just something I found helpful in my life. And I know a lot of the people that listen to this like personal development. There's a question I stole from a Tim Ferriss guest. How am I complicit in creating the conditions that I say I don't want? Mm -hmm. The idea behind it is that we often complain about certain things, our job, our relationships, whatever it might be, but we are contributing to them. And so I have a phone reminder that pops up three or four times a day. And sometimes it catches you while you're eating a sandwich and nothing comes to mind. But other times it pops up and you go, oh, interesting. I am currently bothered by or mulling over something and if I look at it hard enough I realize that I'm participating in the creation of this circumstance I don't like so it's been really cool for me so I just wanted to shout it out maybe a month ago Hmm. who talked about it I don't know isn't so Tim Ferriss I'm on his email list he emails out his podcasts and he does a summary of them got it so that was on like a summary and he put it he was like yeah here's the the question Tim said here's a question I've been asking myself since having this conversation and I was, I thought it was interesting. So I started doing it and it is, I think true in a lot of ways. I think people will act like life is happening to them, but you know, if you hate your job, but you're not trying to look for other jobs or mm-hmm. building skills like you say, Oh, I have no skills, but you're not trying to pursue skills in your free time. You're doing nothing to improve your circumstances, but you don't like your circumstances. You are an active participant in your circumstances. Mm-hmm. And so it's been interesting to see just a little phone reminder be helpful. Yeah. Any concrete takeaways? Yeah, little stuff. You get caught up in, so like I'm writing scripts and I don't want to write scripts, but you get caught up in the day-to-day of writing scripts and you spend a couple of days looking for replacements and then you get busy and you forget and you go, mm-hmm. how am I complicit? I go, oh, I'm not prioritizing at all. I, I make time for video games. Mm-hmm. I make time for hanging out with my girlfriend. I make time for going to the gym. And some I've made no time for what I claim is the biggest, my biggest goal for 2022. That's not rational that's mm-hmm. poorly done and so yeah it just gives you things like that where you go i'm in a situation i don't like 
I want to change it. I claim my goal is to change it. None of my time goes towards changing it. Mm-hmm. And this phone reminder is making me aware of that. And then you go, oh, cool. I'm going to go spend an hour doing the work that will help me achieve the goal. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's been for me very helpful. Tim nice. Ferriss, very helpful. So I thought I'd shout it out in case people don't follow him. So that was cool. We kind of already talked about crypto. I just thought this was interesting. I don't know if you saw it. Coinbase laid off 18% of their workforce. Did not see that. Yeah, executives are preparing for a recession and crypto winter. Cool. So the executives obviously made, well, I don't want to say obviously. Some of these executives have $100 million homes. They've done very well for themselves. Crypto winter is coming. Yeah. So they laid off 18% of the workforce. Cool. Like you do. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I, you know, it's, I imagine if I ran a business that big, I could make similar decisions because it becomes numbers, but it definitely, one of the difficult and nice things about running a small business is that's not how I would behave Mm -hmm. in a small, I'm too close to, if I were to lay off 18% of the workforce, I'd know that (laughs) individual. will be one person. (laughs) And it would, um, not that I wouldn't lay anybody off, but yeah, it wouldn't, it would be uh, emotionally difficult. Emotionally difficult, and not just emotionally difficult. The way that I did it, I think, would be um, wouldn't leave them hard up. And I don't know what sort of severance package these people got. Yeah, it does. The this is something I th- I think should change, and I don't know how if it's with regulation or with conscious evolution of society. But we have very short term reward systems so, such that like when airlines have a lot of cash they dividend it out or they pay yeah, their ceos yeah, yeah. a lot of money they don't save enough for a recession and then when a recession comes they get bailed out or like the ceo of a company will give themselves 70 million dollars and then the next year when a recession comes they will lay off a bunch of people who would have needed 30 million dollars to stay on for the year we don't have i guess i would love to see somehow the upside downside of business get collapsed a little bit where businesses were forced to retain more capital for rainy days and pay out less to investors or less to their CEOs. Yeah, no, this is the, um, yeah. Winnings are taken off the table as soon as they're acquired. You know what I mean? It's like, Oh, well you, I'll go bankrupt now that I'm losing. It's like, wait a second. What happened to all those winnings? They're in my other bank. They're they're gone. (laughs) Like, yeah. Bankruptcy, I think rightly protects you from that. They they say when your business goes bankrupt, we're not going to come after your personal assets. But what that creates is people just take, they as quickly as possible, recategorize business assets as personal assets while being tax efficient mm-hmm. so that if things go south, they just go, okay, here, just take, I'll, I'll fire everybody. Yeah, I'll yeah, shut down yeah. the business and I'll take all this capital and start a new business. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a, uh, I don't know. I haven't thought deeply about the means of doing it, but yeah, you would just like to set things up so that the businesses pay investors a little bit less, pay their CEOs and high level people a little bit less and have the ability to absorb shocks for a recession or crypto winter or, yeah. oh, we can't travel for six months without saying we're going to have to fire everybody or get government to give us $500 million. It's, it's, and I think this is the thing. There's probably there's systemic setups. Also, like- just want to clarify, individuals also make this mistake. And this is how people spend every dollar they make so that when they're fired, oh, exactly. they go hungry immediately because they don't have six months of the, runway. Well, like this-, this is just... From the bottom to the top, this behavior is occurring. I think there's two things, and I was just going to point this out, is that there's there's this human psychology, which is the risk of ruin is not adequately accounted for. Mm-hmm. People are like- By I, some people. 
Yeah, by many. It's like, I want this thing. Well, okay, now that it's out, you can't afford life-saving, whatever. Oh, well, now that I can't afford life-saving, like this needs to be publicly taken care of. And of course, the public steps in because you don't want people dying because of poor financial decisions. But then that uh, subsidizes bad financial decision-making, which makes this whole process go faster and faster and faster, um, which is why something like, I don't know, a UBI, I haven't thought, again, deeply about it, but seems you don't want to give more money to bad decision makers, but you do want to provide a floor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like UBI a lot. The question that happens with UBI is what do you do when people blow through all that money and now are starving to death and come to you for more Wait, money? No, no, no. Here's the thing. It, it comes to you. It's rationed. It's not, you don't get like a lump sum for your life. Like you, you sh theoretically, I mean, you could technically give it to people once a day, a UBI, mm. so that you can't run out. <laughs> Got it. it. At which point, if you, what you wanted to do was proactively not eat for a month so mm -hmm. that you could go buy a yeah, piece yeah. of jewelry. I go, I mean, that's fine. You're, mm -hmm. you're basically, you have the money in your savings account. You're just choosing not to spend it on food. For some reason, that feels way more comfortable to me than you've already spent all your money and you can't afford it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But um, to your other thing, the there is, I think there's a human psychology thing where some people just uh, don't account for winter. You know, they just don't prepare for winter and then they freeze to death um, or would freeze to death if, if other people didn't step in. And But there's also... Uh, systemic too big to fail bankruptcy things that incentivize CEO uh, quarterly earnings to mm -hmm. make that process even worse because yeah. they their pro con or cost benefit analysis is just like I'm going to hire these 18% of people because guess what I'm going to get paid a fat bonus this quarter For because growing. we're going to grow faster yeah. And no one is going to claw that back when I fire these mm -hmm. 18%. In fact, I might not even get fired for that. Like So far? Probably not. not. Yeah, so. Uh, well, also because, yeah, the, the thought is, well, it's not my fault there's a crypto winter. Mm -hmm. You so, yeah. And, and, and by the way, the business isn't going to suffer because I'm mm -hmm. just going to fire all these people. Yeah, yeah. So we're still going to be profitable. No, you investors, me, wanted to run as fast as humanly possible. Yeah. And then put on the brakes. <laughs> and, and I did. And you rewarded me for it. And yeah, so there's. There's definite problems there. Uh, don't know how to, don't know how to legislate also, around that. Also, to be that. fair, I don't know that this guy made a hundred million dollars. Just because he's a hundred million dollar house, maybe he leveraged his own equity. Maybe he took out a bunch of debt, <laughs> leveraged his of own crypto. equity. Yeah. Last thing before we go to audience questions. Apparently, people for Charisma on Command fans love Tommy Shelby. Yeah. I would love to turn it to the audience here. Who else do you who else do you love like you love Tommy but Shelby? But you need to love Tommy Shelby in order to answer this question. Well, here's what I've seen basically. So we do we often cover the person of the day, right? We're, I'm, I did a Millie Bobby Brown video cuz Stranger Things is coming out. Hope She's guys, not going to do as well Tommy Shelby. Hope you guys enjoy it. No one can. I there's also just these random Don Draper. Yeah. Don Draper, Tommy Shelby, these stoic traumatized men that Charisma Command audience absolutely loves, and they 10x the performance of other videos. And I don't wouldn't have guessed either of them. And so I'm just wondering if anyone out there absolutely thinks Tom Draper is the man, and Tommy Shelby is the man. Who else do you think? Who's is the, the man? third man? Yeah. <laughs> if I told you, you know, who, who do you admire? If you admire Tommy Shelby, oh, complete and, and this sentence: Don Draper, Tommy, Tommy Shelby, Shelby, comma, blank, <laughs> are three of the most blank <laughs> yeah 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 that's a good one so here's the here's the mad lips tommy shelby don draper and blank are three of the most blank people in the world <laughs> and hopefully that second blank is something you want admire yeah, yeah. confident awesome alpha whatever it is because i don't know who that third person is i 
don't think I have more to say about Tommy Shelby, but I'd love to say something new about that mystery third person. Yeah. So cool. I want to just kick it to 10,000 people to tell me. Who is that? Cool. All right. Do we have questions from the YouTube comments? Yep. <clears throat> Evan Justin overcame COVID. Yay. <laughs> He's back. All right. We'll run through one and then go to Patreon. Um, so the first one is, how do I stop being selfish and stingy with money? I'm a YouTuber and I've never earned more money than I do now, but I'm reluctant to spend it from much needed studio equipment to gifts from for friends to groceries. The feeling after almost every purchase is almost like a cramp and it lingers for days in the back of my head. This feeling makes me delay purchasing important stuff until the last moment. Mm. I've noticed the price has nothing to do with it. I've never cared for money when growing up, but I do think I'm very selfish. How have you guys had some, have you guys had similar experiences with stingy people and how do I change my selfish tendencies and inherent stinginess? Uh, well, this isn't Tony Robbins day 14 or 12 or 14 of personal power Two. totally transformed my relationship with money. Now, I think that was because it wasn't a deeply held belief. It was like three people said three things that got locked in my head mm -hmm. at one point. And then but I it just, was a stark transformation from the, from the outside. Like your well, behavior changed tremendously. Yeah, the yeah. amount you earned changed tremendously. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm saying, I think with any of these questions, how do I change these things about myself? It's always like, look, I don't know how rooted this is in you. And for me, money was not deeply rooted. Yeah. It just wasn't, you know, if somebody, you know, if they're like, I don't know, change your competitiveness or change this. It's like, well, that goes back farther. But this was just, I read a New York Times article <laughs> that said after $75,000, people weren't happy. And I was like, that just got in there. And then I reflected, it's like, oh, that was just a New York Times article mm. that I read. And uh, You hate the New York Times. That might not be true. And I could give it to charity if I decided to. And like literally those, just a handful of shifts, I was like, oh, I can now do more work to earn more money. And that's not a bad thing. Mm. So that day was very helpful for me. Um, but I do think that what Tony will help you do is go through the process to realize personal power too is a great course for you. It sounds like, um, to recognize that you are, you're getting something out of the delay or, or you're preventing a pain and it would be good to, uh, reveal what that is. Like maybe you think that you're keeping yourself safe from financial ruin. Maybe you think that uh, you'll regret it and need that money one day. And when you can expose what those beliefs are, you're going to find that they probably don't match your current conditions at all. Yeah. I also think you've mislabeled yourself. because I, so I don't hear selfish. You're saying yeah. I'm selfish. Here are three things I don't like doing. Buying friends gifts. I go, oh, maybe you are selfish. Buying groceries for myself. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Buying equipment to make my channel yeah, bigger yeah. so that I can make more money in the future. Well, if you were selfish, purely selfish, you'd be totally fine buying groceries. You'd yeah. get sushi all the time and you would be totally fine with any investment that was going to earn you more money in the uh -huh. future. Like Bezos didn't become a billionaire by not investing in his business. And I think that's, to me, I go, something else is going here that comes Isn't more from a fear yeah. of separating with money than a selfishness. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you said, oh yeah, here are the things that I do. I don't buy gifts for people. I go Dutch even when the person who I'm with has way less money than mm -hmm. me. And I... Haven't done it from charity. the poor. I haven't done any charity <laughs> in my life. I go, yeah, you're selfish. You've you've nailed this. Yeah, but so yeah, I think there's something else. So you're stingy, not selfish. And actually, I think that's going to help you because what you might realize is that um, there might actually be a, to the contrary of selfishness, there might be a lack of deservingness around like I don't deserve to spend this money on myself or fear yeah. that you are going to run out. So basically, what Tony will do, and you should still go through the course. It's a great course. It does cost money, or you can try to download it. Sorry, this is your first test. <laughs> Invest in yourself. With personal um, power too. Uh, so, th like, this is like a day two thing, but it's, it'll help. Is you write down for a minute or two. Um, what does my current behavior 
get me? Like, what is the advantage that I get out of my current behavior uh, from feelings? I know that I'll never run out of money. I feel like I'll always be safe. Like, write it all down. Um, then you do, what does my current behavior cost me? And you're like, uh, my business grows much slower. You do this. And actually what I you want to do, so you want to, you want to like take time if you're trying to make a change to really nail this one home. And then you do I have less close relationships with then, my friends. Yeah. They don't like me as much. I feel whatever. There's, yeah. there's costs. This is, this is hurting you. And then what would changing get me? You know what I mean? As is like, well, I, my business would grow and I would have even You'd more money. Even more you money, know what yeah. I mean? And I would do this and I would do that. And so- um, and then sometimes it can be helpful to, you don't want to, you want to know these, but you don't want to dwell on them is what would, what would this new behavior cost me? And what that just, um, well, it shows you no, what no, you have to be willing to give I up. I actually think that one's important because maybe you're completely wrong, but subconsciously know that one of your parents used to shit on rich people yeah, at yeah, the yeah, table yeah. when you were growing up. And you think that if they come over and see a bunch of really expensive equipment yeah. or see you giving your sibling a really nice gift that you were afraid that they'll stop loving you because mm -hmm. you became the rich person they were bitching about, which by the way is extremely unlikely to happen, but a very common belief in people whose parents didn't do well and often complained at the dinner table mm -hmm. about their bosses. Yeah. So it's, I think it's important to say, what would this cost me? So you recognize, oh, in my mind, this cost me the love of my dad. I'd become capitalist scum. This is totally yeah. not worth <laughs> yeah, yeah, it. It's 100% yeah, yeah. not worth it. Yeah. I'm gonna, my dad's gonna hate me, the person who, uh, admiration I want the most. And then you go, no, this is a false belief, but you have to crystallize that it's in there first. Cool. So I actually think that, that fourth one can be very helpful to show you where you've gotten things confused. That's it. We're going to hop over to Patreon. What do we got? We're going to talk about balancing passion and practicality in your career, improving your memory, and then being more disciplined with your sleep schedule. Beautiful. Cool. If you guys want to hop over to Patreon, we got another period of time where we're going to be talking, <laughs> answering these questions. And it does keep the podcast going. Yeah, you I get know any of your questions answered, and you get another hour of have content we every made week. An, have we paid made enough off of this podcast are you making the money more from uh the other podcast now that you run oh it's definitely JHS. yeah it's definitely this one still okay good well we appreciate you patrons yeah. you go ahead oh it's it's declining it's declining <laughs> we need you we need you patrons justin needs you he's he was in bed with covid you missed a week. <laughs> we need we need justin to make a heart get justin on camera for a heartfelt plea he needs a tincture we need, and we get the music <laughs> Just, uh, what's the one when you, they they ask for money on tv there's like a classic song. Uh, I don't know. I'm just imagining Balto with like a sled dog is running through the fucking tundra with a crate of tinctures for Justin's COVID <laughs> to, <laughs> to keep him alive. He needs you patrons. Um, so yeah, we're going to hop over to Patreon. We appreciate all of you guys. Either way, thanks. We'll see you there. Peace. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.